0: Hello, everybody, and thank you for tuning in to the Liberty Report. With us today is Daniel McAdams, our co-host. Daniel, good to see you this morning.
1: Hello. We're back in our studio. We're oh, trying to get over some problems, but... Yeah, uh, <coughs> a
0: little bit here and a little, a little bit, bit there. there. Yeah, we've so, had
1: some setbacks. But we're
0: not so. going to give up.
1: No. no but
0: no. Uh, you know, we talk about our studio because we want to distract them a little bit about our imperfections. <laughs> yeah, <that's laughs> But we're going to have a better studio and we're going to work on our... If if I, I know about mine, I don't know about yours, uh, but I'm I keep working on my imperfection <laughs> because uh, people want to get the information and we like to dig it out and then some, every once in a while we have an opinion about it. But we have a goal, I know that. The goal is easily agreed to and I imagine most of our viewers have, an, have a similar goal of living in a free society yeah. rather than a totalitarian society like we have today. And that's what we're going to start off with, some, uh, some some of the nonsense that goes on. But uh, th- this comes from Responsible Statecraft, and the, the article is, Why the War Party is the Real Winner in the Midterms. Yeah. <laughs> and my title for this is, and the winner is yeah. <laughs> the uh, war parties. Exactly. But wh- who is the war party? Uh, it uh, just fits in uh, to my, uh, uh, you know, compulsion to talk about uh, there is no, uh, no two-party system. I'm waiting for the second party before yeah. we get into the third party. And uh, so there's a lot of bipartisanship going on. But the people can get fooled. Uh, not, not, not the people who watch our program, they're not fooled, but yeah. there's a, piece, a lot of people out there that think that, uh, you know, it's this antagonism and the fighting, like, you know, the end of the world will come unless we can get the leadership of these two parties to come together. Uh, and uh, I agree. But what this article does, it points out, well, it's pretty well greased for bipartisanship. And this has to do with, uh, it doesn't matter much on who's in, in the leadership that the Republicans are taking over if you're interested in peace, if you're interested in the spending, if you're interested in the Constitution. All these things are a threat to liberty, and it's happened throughout all of history. This is where the liberty is stolen from the people. It's over, scare the people to death. Uh, There's going to be an invasion. There's an enemy out there. Whether, and now it's doesn't, uh, it doesn't just exist that, they, well, we have to worry about the Russians are coming or something like that. They, we have to get the uh, medical profession as part of the enemy. So they go into COVID as this vicious enemy and scare, scare the people. But in this, uh, this article, though, makes the point that, and they have the evidence for the people who are going to be there protecting the military-industrial complex, and uh, we of course, have talked a whole lot about the military-industrial complex, but it really is evil because when you think about what they do, it's money's a big deal. I mean, they get away with all the money in the world, then they get away with Passing the money out to our uh, members of the empire and, and that's a lot. But that's all for our national security purpose, to protect our constitution and protect our liberties. I never understood why people buy into that. I, I don't think people going over and getting blown up or going broke, going into a place like Ukraine or the Middle East or Vietnam gives us more freedom. It certainly makes us poorer, but it doesn't give us more freedom. For the most part, during war, you get less freedom, and that is the reason this is a big issue, and it also works into the concern we have about how do they pay for it? How long can the people be taxed for it? Well, you have to hide, cheat, and steal, and you steal the wealth uh, through uh, a fraudulent monetary system. You know, just print the money, which is a... uh, Uh, a a, a limited time for that because that's what we're seeing, the limitation of how long you can just print the money and the people won't wake up. They're waking up, but they have a lot more understanding to gain in order to understand exactly why complaining about the military budget has something to do with why the cost of living goes up.
1: Yeah, and well, we have had some inroads uh, of conservative war skeptics, uh, and that's something to be positive about, People like Marjorie Taylor Greene, for example, I think is really coming to her own. She said, not another penny for Ukraine unless it's all accounted for. Uh, And there are others. J.D. Vance is coming in. He's been skeptical. Um, Nevertheless, we have to look at this article by Connor Eccles in Responsible Statecraft. We can actually put that up. This can be found on antiwar.com today. Um, But why the war party is a real winner, as you point out, Dr. Paul, and here is uh, Connor's Uh, evidence and it's pretty strong evidence if we can go to that next clip because Mike Rogers Republican from Alabama who will likely succeed Representative Adam Smith as chair of the House Armed Services Committee he's a big time hawk he wants to increase defense spending even more much higher than it is and as Connor points out he's also received over four hundred thousand dollars From arms makers in this cycle, making him the single largest recipient of defense industry campaign donations. And go to the next one. He'll be replacing his predecessor, who only got three hundred (laughs) thousand from the military contractors. So this is big, big money. It goes to both parties in about equal way, and that's what purchases our foreign policy. Our foreign policy is for sale, and these are the ones that are taking the cash it going you know
0: early on even in world war ii as late as world war ii people didn't uh, ask the same questions because uh, the war was a little more real and they were still able to produce an atmosphere that if you don't support this uh, you're unpatriotic it still exists uh, they they use that but i think though the people who lean toward uh, wanting to present their case for peace and uh, the constitution that they're going to get less grief over this because uh, i've been on the receiving end i haven't been in congress and elsewhere once you talk about this oh you, you know you don't care about the troops you don't care about freedom you don't care about america and uh, and they say that well what we have to do is we have to uh, protect the world because that's how we provide Peace and security for us. No, it provides welfare benefits. Welfare in the sense that the people who make all this money and make all these weapons and a lot, a lot of uh, extra stuff besides just the money and the weaponry, because they have a lot of other uh, assets that they pass around, and uh, I, you know the, the budget. The, the budget could be balanced if you just were willing to do away with militarism. Yeah. And the one thing that I don't like to call it is defense spending.
1: Yeah, that's for sure. And now that we're out of weapons because we gave them all to Ukraine, <laughs> now they're going to be celebrating because we have to buy a bunch more. So it's always a windfall for these people. Put up this next clip. This is from the same article. And this just tells you what we're talking about. This is money talks is an old saying, and it's absolutely true. And those campaign investments are just the tip of the iceberg. According to Open Secrets, defense contractors have already spent more than $100 million on lobbying efforts in just the first three quarters of 2022. And that number will only continue to rise as arms makers make their final push to increase next year's defense budget. This is the real corruption in Washington. The arms dealers are rich because of our tax dollars that go to, to su- supplement them. They use that money to lobby, and they lobby very aggressively, as you know, throughout Washington, on both parties. They are not partisan at all. And that, in turn, uh, this $100 that they spend lobbying, how many hundreds of billions do they get in return? It's a great Ponzi scheme.
0: You know, I find one item in here is the biggest joke ever. And they they put this in there. They're either really not all that smart or they don't want to be smart enough to let the people know what's going on. And this comes from Mike Rogers. He's smart enough to get very rich and, uh, you know, be a powerful person. But uh, he was explaining why he's pushing for more money. We have to push to increase the defense ban purportedly because his of historically high in inflation <laughs> rates. So because the cost of the uh, of the weapons are going up, you have to keep spending more money. He doesn't ask, well, why are the costs of weapons going up? <laughs> why is the cost of living going up? So it's it's just a reflection of uh, how, y- you know, the uh, monetary system is always important in no matter what we do, you know, in the area of... Uh, personal liberty, whether it's the welfare state at home or the welfare state overseas and the warfare state, all these things. And that is why, uh, of course, uh, protecting honest money is a very uh, important issue.
1: Absolutely. Well, you know, Dr. Paul, with wars and rumors of wars, it's a good reason to take care of security at home. And one great way to do that is through our friends at 4Patriots.com, who are now sponsors of this program, 4 uh, uh, they sell a food that will survive for 25 years. Mm-hmm. They also sell a lot of other things, polar, uh, power and solar, RV and camping, home and garden, all sorts of things that you can purchase to look out for your family, to provide for your family. Uh, it's a great company, family owned in the USA. Let's look at that next clip now. We can see uh, the food, the survival food is delicious. You boil, simmer, and serve, just add water. It's extremely easy to do. Uh, right now, go to 4patriots, number 4patriots.com, and enter in the code RON, R O N, for 10% off of your offer. Free shipping for any order over $97. Put on that next clip, you can see this is some of their new arrivals here uh, that you can find solar generators. Everything that you need to survive. For what might happen, and Dr. Paul, we don't know what's going to happen. We don't know how bad things are going to get. So again, for patriots number 4Patriots.com. Use the code RON, R-O-N, to get that discount. Dr. Paul?
0: You know, I want to go back to some of this funding on, uh, you know, the military-industrial complex. Uh, Deloro uh, is progressive. Oh, yeah. yeah. But she, she progressively gets worse.
1: <laughs>
0: <Yeah>.
1: <laughs>
0: she Progressively <laughs> spends more money. But you, you, know, you know you can't, uh, we can't cure their problems because she, she has always voted for the F-35. Oh, yeah. And she still says, I'm a progressive.
1: <laughs>
0: so we'll, we'll, we're allowed to challenge that because that's
1: a little bit over the top. Yeah, so. absolutely. Well, the next one we want to look at is complex. Um, But we really had a bombshell yesterday and that was a New York Times article and this is a result of some of these January 6th trials and let's go ahead and put that next one up. This is New York Times. Informant likely to testify as defense witness in Oath Keeper Sedition Trial. A man who served as number two to Stuart Rhodes, the group's leader, is said to have secretly reported to the FBI in the months leading up to the January 6th attack. So this is the first Evidence that we've seen because they didn't want to release any information everything was so heavily redacted that these that the FBI had infiltrated and Embedded into the Oath Keepers on the Proud Boys group for months and months it raises a huge Number of questions as to what the FBI was involved in doing how much did they push it how much you know as they did during uh, Remember during the entire war on terror they would infiltrate these groups and they would push them to go do a terror attack and then stop it in the, at the last minute. Well, this time they didn't, so huge questions raised.
0: You know, we've known about the FBI, and it's been out there in the public but it doesn't seem to have swayed a lot of people in the, in the election. But uh, who knows what the exact reason is for that. But you know, they, they always have to have an enemy for the people to roll over and go along with and not fight with it. But if people have a lot of wealth and they're, and they're not anticipating that their uh, prices are going to soar, they go along with it, not worrying about the principle of the thing. But we have a lot of foreign enemies and we always have that And that's been around for a long time. And that that continues. Uh, Otherwise, we wouldn't have as soon as we uh, sort of settle one country and we firmly put them into the empire, then we have to go find somebody else to fight. So that goes on. Of course, uh, we've been to Libya in the recent years and then Syria and then Ukraine. And it just goes on and on. But at, at home we have to have an enemy and a war going on and and the, and the big war of course occurred with COVID, <coughs> and the power <coughs> excuse me the power of the pharmaceutical companies i mean uh, somebody i think said and i have to check that uh, they may be competing with the military industrial complex on the benefits that they get so that is it but then the other one that we're talking about right now is the whole issue of the war on our uh, judicial system. Yeah. The FBI, I mean, I I just do not believe that there can be a legitimate constitutional or necessary reason that we have to fund the FBI as is drawn up. It is just, uh, you know, ju- just a real menace to us. And now information are coming out. You'd think, you'd think this would be top news. You know, we have a corrupt police force a federal police force which we shouldn't have and they're corrupted to no end and uh and they they infiltrate they cause you know they 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 get involved in promoting and causing and encouraging people to break the law and then they uh, you know they set them up and then they then they arrest them put them in prison and they can't even get a day in court it's a bad system and i don't know when the american people will wake up from this but we need to the whole principle of personal liberty and living within the law and living within the rules is a big deal. And right now, uh, we, we need some help in a, in a very serious manner.
1: And I think you're right, Dr. Paul. This really raises some big issues of corruption <clears throat> because FBI Director Christopher Wray, you know, his big thing has been the real danger is the danger at home, the rise of right-wing extremists of white supremacists, et cetera, et cetera. So all the while he's warning of the rise of these people, he's infiltrating his people, his FBI agents, into these groups to encourage them to be more violent, perhaps. Uh, They're certainly not encouraging them to calm down. So he's actually creating this problem so that he can go ahead and say, well, look, we've got this problem that we helped create. So what's very disturbing, let's look at this next clip. This is from the New York Times. Um, from that article the blockbuster article from yesterday an FBI informant who was embedded for months in the inner circle of Stuart Rhodes the leader of the Oath Keepers is likely to testify as a defense witness in the seditious conspiracy trial of Mr. Rhodes Uh, so and this is uh, so let's go to Julie Kelly who I think is really one of the last of the great journalists Uh, she has been so dogged on this case uh, it's just incredible and she just deserves all the kudos in the world for not backing down. She's got a couple of tweets about this revelation. She says, January 6th gets closer and closer to the Whitmer Fednapping. Now remember, this whole Gretchen Whit- Whitmer kidnapping issue up there in Michigan was a total fake. Everyone involved was the FBI, it was <laughs> yeah. like, FBI, FBI, like that meme. So go ahead and put that back on. So she's saying this is looking more and more like the fake kidnapping of Whitmer. Whitmer, she says, at least, eight FBI informants embedded in Proud Boys before January 6th. If they weren't collecting intel about January 6th, what were they doing? And that is a good question. Now here's a couple of other tweets from Julie. That's this morning because there was a hearing in the Department of Homeland Security this morning about this and Christopher Ray is up on the stand. Uh, and she says, breaking, Chris Ray, when asked twice, would not say whether the FBI agents and informants dressed like Trump supporters, were inside the Capitol before the doors were opened on January 6th. Now, that's a big issue. And then she says, major kudos (coughs) to Representative Clay Higgins for confronting Ray on the use of informants on January 6th. This was an easy no from Ray and Thompson, the alleged truth finder of January 6th, tried to cut off Higgins' question. And there's one more from the hearing today, if we can look at this next one that Julie tweeted out. She said, who boy, Representative Higgins to Ray, top threat to Americans' freedoms is a weaponization of the FBI against the citizens you are sworn to serve. Now asking Ray about FBI informants on January 6th. Holy moly, she said, did you have FBI informants dressed as Trump supporters inside? He refused to comment on whether the FBI had people dressed as Trump supporters inside the Capitol doing who knows what to egg people on. Big news.
0: Yeah, but the Congress wanted to straighten this all out because then they had some hearings. (coughs) Yeah, (laughs) You know, one-sided hearings. You couldn't look at the videos and you couldn't quiz people and get some of this information. It's starting to come out. And uh, I was reading a little bit the other day about LBJ and his uh, criminality in getting elected back in 1948. And it took quite a few years but it finally turned out the whole thing was cheating and lying, yeah. you know, to get him eventually into the presidency. But January 6th, I do not believe that there would have been even an issue without the infiltrators. Yeah. That's my personal opinion because I think there were people there. I bet you ninety some percent of them were curiosity seekers. Yeah. And <coughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, well, it's an insurrection. Well, what did the what did the proud boys do and the others who who are really upset with this? <coughs> what did they do with their guns? Did they go out and load them? Yeah. No, they they put, parked them someplace where they had no access to it. And yet... What they do is when you hear the noise about labeling charges, just like all of uh, the election in in 16 on the Russiagate, and all the charges that was incessant over and over and over again was all based on lies and uh, who who was was doing it. I've decided that, you know, the more you hear the charges from one group about another one, what you should look for is they're tipping you off because they're the ones who are guilty. Yeah. If they're guilty of something, they want to distract. I, know, I, I am convinced that's their, that's their strategy. You just turn it around and blame them, and then you have the support of the media, and even the social media will come through a lot of times, too, yeah. and they just build and build on this, and uh, and reversing that and digging out the truth is not easy. And then they can turn it into hatred toward one individual, and that'll explain everything. But truth comes out, and sometimes it takes a while. <laughs> I'm sort of waiting, but yeah. I'm encouraging
1: it. Yeah, a little bit, it trickles out. But you know, the FBI needed this narrative that it was an insurrection because they needed to have an internal enemy to justify. Continuing to expand their surveillance and attacks against Americans at home. Similarly the Democratic Party needed this to be an insurrection Because that enabled them to go after Trump and anyone who supported Trump because for some reason they're obsessed with him They can't get him off their mind, so they needed to have this kind of bogeyman uh, That they could use over and over and it served them both pretty well um, But as you say slightly optimistic hopefully that the truth will trickle out Well, let's if we're ready to move on. I I want to make one
0: more mention of this, because, you know, the news or what they're saying is usually opposite of what's really going on. For sure. And, you know, they're great Democrats. They're for a pure democracy. They want the people's voices to be heard, uh, which is, you know, a little bit of baloney. But the the democracy they have is uh, right now, the whole effort, 99 percent of everything I hear on TV is uh, is the prevention and the making sure that a certain individual cannot even run for an office and they're spending all that time on it if he if he's so bad and the american people don't want him yeah you know why should you why should you cancel the principle of letting somebody run for office and then they do it in the name of democracy, so that's a double whammy for them because they don't know what democracy is anyway. But what they do is they turn it around and make it worse. <laughs> they give a, a worse definition rather than looking for a representative republic.
1: <laughs> well, you know, uh, uh, Biden was warning you the days before the election, our democracy is in danger. <laughs> and then as soon as they won, well, democracy did pretty well that, yesterday. <laughs> so well, let's move on <laughs> to our last little piece today. And this is something from a few days ago in the American Conservative. Uh, but it's, it's worth looking at. Uh, it's a great article, and it's by the editor of of, of uh, Contact magazine, which is, I highly recommend. It's a very interesting publication. Whatever happened to the anti-war left uh, in the American conservative? And if you go to the next clip, this is the opening. And he makes this, in, and you and I were both thinking, well, wow, this brought back a lot of memories. On February fifteenth, two thousand 2003, 14 million people poured into the streets of 800 cities worldwide, to oppose the US-led invasion of Iraq. It was a preemptive response to the preemptive war hatched by the Bush administration, and according to the Guinness Book of World Records, the largest protest ever in human history. Yet the 2003 protest was also a swan song of sorts. Surab writes, the moment that gave rise is now all but defunct, namely the anti-war left. And I can say from personal experience, Dr. Paul, I remember that day very well, because I was out in the streets of Washington, D.C., with my colleague at the time in your office, Norm Singleton, and my three-year-old son, he just turned three on that day. We were out there freezing cold, protesting the war, and we knew how big it was, how massive it was. And that's when the left and right uh, came together to oppose the war, and there were a lot of people on the right there. You know, we quite frequently
0: try to mention about the technically technical differences between a republican you know a democracy so uh, when these people come out to demonstrate I would put that in a category of a positive type of democracy. They had enough freedom left that they were allowed to do it. That isn't always the case. And uh, there were people punished when they came out and demonstrated uh, over COVID. I mean, they you, they got to the point where they wouldn't allow this. Oh, you're going to spread diseases and like that. And you can't do that. But I think, you know, in economics, uh, when people uh, have freedom of choice in economic policy, it's a, it's a Democratic choice they make. But in these demonstrations, when I look at that, you know, if anybody had one iota of a conscience to say, well, what are, what are the people telling us? Uh, and and that, that, that means sometimes people will take uh, and make an estimate. You know, for every hundred people that show up to one of these rallies, there might be a thousand people who are saying the same thing. So, you know, technically, there were a lot more people who were opposing it. They, even now, when I look back at that and think about it, I don't think I comprehended the size of it. I knew what they were getting ready to do was wicked, and I had a responsibility to point it out because uh, the size is a big deal, but uh, just the effort and the principle of the way we go to war under executive orders and spending money by printing it, those are the kind of things that people just have to wake up for. And out of necessity, they will. Because this this cannot continue. Nobody's been able to maintain an empire. Uh, they attempt to do it. When empires get too built and uh, too big and unwielding, uh, they, then they have to then they have to change their tune, and, and all of a sudden the empire shrinks. Uh, the British Empire was pretty big one time, and then uh, it finally uh, it finally crashed uh, after World War One when they ran out of money.
1: Yeah. Well, I, I my notes were wrong. It's Sorab Amari. And he's the editor of Compact magazine, and he wrote in this, and it's highly worth, worth looking at. But he's looking at, so why is it that the anti-war left has disintegrated? Why are the progressives now also part of the war party? And he comes on, he comes across three explanations. I think they're pretty good. Um, the first one, he says, is the shifting nature of the American way of war. We've had this rise of, like, the shift toward liberal wars. We're fighting a war for your own good. We're going to give you democracy, good and hard whether you want it or not. And also he points out that it's fought largely by proxies. So therefore it's more palatable. No. It's not our men and women out there killing and dying. It's those Ukrainians and they're doing it for their freedom. So <laughs> keep going. And that's the first one. The other uh, point that he makes is the cultural left has, has uh, conquest over the security apparatus of the United States. And that's a big important thing. Um, you have the CIA running woke ads Uh, trying to get transgender, I don't know what they do over there. They've got the army, the military, Uh, they've gone very, very woke. And I think it's attracted a lot of the left to these institutions. And you remember how the left fell in love with the CIA uh, when the CIA was going after Trump. Uh, So they have definitely done that. And the third is the recasting of non-Western powers as reactionary forces to be crushed by the U.S., and that's how he put it. And that's an important one that needs more exploration because that is this sort of the new USSR mentality in the U.S., which is that the rest of the world must be just like us. There is only one system that works. There is an end of history, and we are it. And if you dare not push a lot of the values that we claim to support, and Saurabh points out the things they do that make them so repressive, uh, impose modesty on women, restrict reproductive freedom, limit LGBTQ representation, et cetera, et cetera. Those are the things we fight for. Any country that that goes against us on this, we will undermine and try to destroy. So that has a kind of a progressive appeal. So it's a it's a it's a very good article. It's definitely worth reading.
0: You know the the one thing that they use if they didn't have it they couldn't have their way at all. And that is they have no compunction to lie, lie through their teeth constantly. The bigger the lie and more often it is, is said, the more people will accept it. But no, those points he makes are they? What are they doing? And asking these are our opinion, and therefore we live in a democracy. We're going to have a little debate here. They, they, that's the last thing they want, yeah. and the last thing they want to see are a lot of people out there. The more, believe it or not, there are more authoritarian governments than ours, and ours is getting pretty bad. But uh, if, if you're in, in in China, you might not be treated with gentle hands. You yeah. know, if you're out demonstrating. And uh, but I think there are episodes where, when you look at the ruthlessness on how uh, that January sixth thing occurred, how people were set up and then they were denied justice, that's getting pretty bad. It might be a little more sophisticated than rolling in the tanks and just killing people. You know that that literally happened <laughs> during the Vietnam War at Kent State. You know the demonstrators. Uh, you know were uh, you know some of them were killed. So. It's a, it's a system that uh, I, I think if we could ban lying, I guess it would be all right, but of course that's a personal matter and uh, someday that maybe there'll be less layers. And I think, I think in our history there were times when people were more honorable, but I think people live with the lies now. Uh, I, I think that purity and telling the truth, uh, the last place you find them, not for all of them because we have a few there, is uh, going into Washington. And I'm sure that's still true in some of the agencies that we don't like. I don't think you can say anybody who's ever been in the FBI, you know, is part of this. Uh, but uh, I think nowadays it's sort of like the military. There were times when it was an absolute uh, automatic uh um, you know, a partisan thing and a political thing to volunteer and fight for your country. But uh, but today, less people are wanting to go into the military. And I imagine there's going to be less people wanting to go into the FBI. And uh, heck, you don't even know what, what the people are thinking about the CIA <laughs> and why they'd want to go in there. <laughs> the CIA uh, is is uh, it's it's part of the coup. The CIA... Is not controlled or understood or regulated by our president. Yeah, I mean it, it is totally out of control. And of course, I uh, this is a little bit off off the subject. But I think that is exactly what happened all the way back into 1963 with the Kennedy thing. That we it was it was out of control and the government turning against uh, uh, their, their own government and and uh, killing them.
1: Yeah. Well, anyway, Dr. Paul, I do want to uh, thank our viewers for watching the show today. We're glad to be back on live streaming. Uh, Here's a couple ways you can help the Ron Paul Liberty Report without spending a single penny. Uh, You can go to our Rumble page right now and you can hit like for the Rumbles. You can make sure you're subscribed. Uh, You can also go to ronpaulinstitute.org and click on subscribe and subscribe to updates so we can keep in touch just in case you never know what'll happen. Again, we never rent, sell, lend out your names to anyone. They're only for us to communicate with you and I guarantee that. I will put a link here in the description where you can sign up for free uh, and get our updates. And we don't do it every day, we don't bug you every day, but occasionally we'll put something out for you. We actually send out Dr. Paul's column to you directly so you get it right in your inbox and other things. So, Dr. Paul? Very good.
0: I want to close by mentioning, once again, this whole issue of bipartisanship. Uh, bipartisanship, of course, is said to be used to bring people together and get good things passed. And, of course, that doesn't happen that way. And uh, the, people, the people still like that idea. But uh, bipartisanship is uh, something you can work for, but it's bringing people together. And, and because we can't all agree on everything there are, but there are issues that we can agree on. And I would think the war issue is one that they could agree on. And I also happen to believe that if people had the information and not the education to get from the government schools, they would understand the importance of having sound money so that you don't have uh, fraudulent money and you, you don't have counterfeit, which falsely, you know, rewards people for working until it all comes apart, so I, I really, I really believe there's an, going to be an opportunity, and it's rising all the time. Even this, from this, it just means that, uh, of course, uh, one thing that could be worse if there, there is, uh, uh, you know, no competition at all. The competition in Washington is not over. Should we have a, should we have a? a, a Federal Reserve or not the competition is personal and did you steal more money than I stole oh no I'm going to compete with you and I'm going to get my friends in here so we can manipulate the power and and the money but policy the argument isn't there yet Uh, hopefully Daniel pointed out a a few points a few people that are are going to be better and we knew uh, some others. but that is very important because people will respond if they can get the message out. Our job is to help get that message out because when the people have the truth, I believe they will lean toward defending the principles of liberty. I wanna thank everybody for tuning in today to the Liberty Report. Please come back soon.